That's Rebecca. And that's Brandon. We, we, we switch it up. And we are a couple of theater nerds who enjoy going to the movies. And talking about movies. So join us as we review the movies that we have just seen. And we will inevitably disagree on. This is the Drive Home Reviews podcast. We got so mixed up there. We got so mixed up. Mutant <laughs> Karate Team. No! Yeah. Okay. Hence the name. So did they feel like teenagers in the cartoon? 
I'm going to be honest and say no. Okay. And say that in, uh, when we get to the review, that's one thing I think this film really hits, is that I don't think they've ever felt really like teenagers. Okay, well, leave that there yeah. and save that for the review. But, um, okay, so what about, like, the whole cowabunga kind of, you know, party boy, pizza pizza kind of I thing? I mean, the, all of that just hit just perfectly for, uh, for kids my age at that time. You know, every... Uh, every kid loves pizza, but once the turtles started eating it, it became the food. Yeah. It became the well, party and food. Everything, I remember everything becoming pizza flavored. Yes. Pizza flavored combos, pizza, mm. you know? Yep. And I will say that the way that they animated pizza made you want... There, I have never eaten a pizza that tastes as good as the animated yeah, pizza. I know, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Just once you want that that pizza feeling that you got from watching the turtles. Yeah. So okay. So what other '80s cartoons kind of formed Brandon? Oh, there are a lot. I'm a I'm a big fan of the '80s and the '80s cartoons. Yeah. You know, um. You have to kind of talk about it. You have to kind of acknowledge it that, of course, the the cartoons of that time were all you know half hour commercials. Well, true. Because yeah. Reagan deregulated everything and yeah. you know, television was now able to do that. So um, and a lot of people will say that that robbed kids of a lot of imagination and I'm going to say no because I think in their attempt to really sell us toys they came up with some really fascinating worlds and characters like I of course, I mentioned the Transformers. I, lo I loved G1 Transformers. Um, I was not a G.I. Joe fan, uh, but there were things like there was Brave Star. Okay. Um, the only uh, Native American superhero of the time. Was Brave Star? Yeah. Uh, He-Man. He-Man, yeah, I remember He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, I must say that upon rewatch, um, She-Ra actually is more interesting of a character than He-Man ever was. Which is why they rebooted She-Ra yeah. and not He-Man. Well, actually, they did reboot He-Man. Yeah, Kevin Smith did it. Oh, well, the She-Ra one's better. Yeah, it, no, it is. Um, in that, okay, so our age difference is not huge, four and a half. I mean, you make it years. sound huge. Well, yeah, because I'm <laughs> much younger. I'm your young trophy girlfriend, obviously. <laughs> but, um, it's four years, but at that time period, it made a big difference. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, you know, I was, I did have a lot more things marketed to me from a feminine point of view than a masculine point of view. So, I was watching things like Care Bears. I watched Care Bears. I, I loved the Care Bears when I was little. Okay, okay. Care Bears, um, Strawberry Shortcake was a big one. Can't say house. that I ever, I ever, uh, I ever got into Strawberry Shortcake. <laughs> Rainbow Bright. I actually, believe it or not, I watched Rainbow Bright. Did you? I did. Believe it or not. I feel like a lot of my personal style is rooted in Rainbow Bright. I can see that. Mixed with a little bit of one that I forget actually existed, but uh, now my like TikTok adventures have proven that I didn't dream it 
up the gummy bears? The, yes, the, the the Disney version of the gummy bears, yeah. I think that was probably one of my favorites, was that, the gummy bears. You know, the Disney Afternoon had, like, the best theme songs <laughs> of, like, of that entire generation. And that's a, that's, a, that's a generation where the theme songs were so vital, but, man, the Disney Afternoon went hard. Gummy bears <laughs> bouncing here and there and everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember the gummy bears. They were awesome. Well, I liked the whole concept that they were these cottage core type of people that lived this nice family life, but also they could kick people's butts yeah. in these business. Did, oh. it ever, did it ever bother you? This is the kind of thing that always messed my head up. Because I, even as a kid, and I guess this should have been like... Um, foretelling my my future as a theater person and a director and a writer and all that. Did it ever bother you with the gummy bears that you never knew who the hell uh, Sonny and Cubby were the kids of? Um, it didn't bother me at the time because I was, like I said, significantly younger than you. So it didn't really, I never... I guess it never popped into my head to wonder who they were. Yeah, like that that kind of thing. I remember that with the Care Bear too, Hugs and Tugs. Okay. The two yeah. babies. It's like, whose children are you? They're the children of the clouds. It's like, where did these babies come from? Like, you don't think that the Care Bears get it on. You can't I, be that happy without orgasms. You know, I always used to theorize that Grumpy Bear, the he must have been like the only sober person in a hippie commune. Uh, you know, just everybody else, peace and love. He's like, Jesus Christ, get me out of here. <laughs> okay, what about, okay, did you ever watch a show? I can't remember if it was a Saturday morning show or what. But it was not a cartoon. It was a live action show called Today's Special. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I do not recall it. It took place in a department store. Okay. And after hours okay I'm trying I'm trying to remember this because there's not a whole lot on the internet about it but um the mannequin would come to life well, you know, it's a Twilight Zone episode like that but anyway he and I want to say the maintenance worker maybe she was a security guard they would go on adventures and it had a lot of puppets like little mice puppets oh, and I loved the whole world they built I was kind of, and it reminds me a lot of our middle kid CJ, I was kind of obsessed with all these little miniature worlds that people would, would build. That's kind of like the puppet, Muppet thing huh. with me, too. Did, was, was that a Canadian show? No, because we lived in Michigan when I watched it. Oh, then I, hmm. So, yeah, we'll have to, I'll have to look it up. Yeah. I swear I didn't come up with this in a fever dream. I swear it really Isn't existed. it amazing how many things like that when we're, when we're at that age and you, you only remember bits and pieces of it. Yes. And then when you try to describe it to somebody. It just I, sounds totally ridiculous. We did that like a few summers ago, my folks and I. When I was trying to remember all of the books they used to read us in elementary school, <laughs> and I was trying, I was like, I can only remember like parts of it, and I and and I, I was looking them up to try to prove that they actually existed, like how to eat fried worms. Well, yeah, exactly. Like that's an actual book. That's a book. Yeah, and they made a cartoon out of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, another one that was kind of in that boy, you know, good guy, bad guy thing that I that I 
just the aesthetic was really cool. Uh, it was one called Silverhawks. Okay, I don't know this one at all. This is like a space opera. It was like um, these people with like cybernetic enhancements that they based on hawks for some reason. Interesting. That could fly in space and they're taking on the space mob. You know, and of course there's like there's like casinos and there was a neutral zone and there was a prison planet. It was just it was really imaginative. Wow. And of course, I love how every every cartoon of that time and I to justify its own existence. At least for the boys. I don't know about... Uh, they did it for She-Ra, but at the end of every episode, they had to have the moral... Oh, well, you didn't moral. really do that so much with a lot of the ones that I watched. But I can remember, like, the whole G.I. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, G.I. Joe is the most famous one, but I remember Silverhawks, instead of, like, doing, you know, the moral of today's story, kids, was don't, you know, don't touch, you know, things. It was... They would teach you about the solar system. Oh. And teach about space and things. Like, they had, like, a quiz bit at the end of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, that one actually taught you things. But, yes, I'll always remember, because this is how you can spot an 80s kid. If you say, and now you know, if they answer, and knowing is half the battle. Yeah, that's That's true. how you know. Because I'll always remember the G.I. Joe ones where it's the little kids, and they're out playing, and they're like, oh, look at this. I found some, some crack. Let's smoke it. And like, uh -huh. one of them, wait a minute there, kids. Oh my God, it's port wine. And he's like, you shouldn't smoke crack. That's terrible. You're right, port wine. Hooray. I mean, that one really took off in the rank of war on drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, before, before I diss them too much, I have to say they did teach me how to stop a bloody nose. Okay, with the tampon. No, they did not cover that. <laughs> You'll squeeze the nose and tilt your head back. Well, technically, that's not how you're supposed to do it anymore. You can drown yourself in your own but blood. But that's how they told us to do it in the 80s. Anywho. And as Bandit says, it was the 80s, man. I, uh, I enjoyed a lot of the cartoons, but do you have, was there any cartoon, speaking of Bluey, <laughs> was there any cartoon that your parents enjoyed watching with you? No. 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 No, I was thinking that too. I cannot think of a single one that my mom sat and watched with us. My, now, like movies, yes, but not not cartoons. My poor long suffering parents. <laughs> my poor like they if it was like a Bugs Bunny, yeah. Like the classic cartoons, those they'd watch with me. Uh, my mother would always complain about the squeaky voices. Uh, and she couldn't stand the squeaky voices. But my poor, long-suffering parents, they took me to every cartoon, movie, the, the Care Bears, the He-Man movie, the, the Ninja Turtles, the Transformers. My mother uh, will always say how she fell asleep during the Transformers movie. Oh, gosh. Um, but, um, I and they did what what parents do they 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 bit the bullet and i remember a few years ago i was i somehow like caught online like rerun like not i don't know how you rerun online but i caught like part of the first care bears movie <laughs> on youtube they're terrible yes and i called my parents immediately and said i am so sorry yeah 
that I drug you to this. Oh my God in heaven. What you had to put up with. Well, if you had good parents and you were an only child, I was one of four in a religious household. So we didn't go to the movies to begin with. We, I was lucky we got to watch any cartoons at all. And if it had, if it smacked of witchcraft at all, then, which you were asking me about David the Gnome the other day. Yeah. Because that seems like it'd be right up my alley. And yeah, for sure it would be. But I don't think that we were allowed to watch it. Um, anything that seemed a little bit too spooky or... Let's just say by the time the 90s rolled around, we watched a whole lot of VeggieTales. Oh. So. Uh, but now, like, the, the, the progression of cartoons... Bluey is probably the one that I will volunteer to watch with my kids. Yeah. But there's a lot that I don't mind watching. Um, all of my girls watched this one called Ruby Gloom multiple mm -hmm. times that I don't mind. Phineas and Ferb, you know. Yeah, like I, I, I wasn't sure about Phineas and Ferb the first time they put it on and it took me a little while, but I actually I actually kind of got into it. Uh-huh. So like I think um one thing that modern cartoon, or maybe our brains are just mush now, but one thing modern cartoons has done is make them more palatable to the grown-ups. Well, I, and, I, I, and the reason I think that is, is aside from just the times changing, but who are the cartoons made by now? Okay, like the people who are watching the cartoons the people, in the 80s. Yeah, the yeah. people who are watching the cartoons when they were our age. Right. Well, you know, so yeah, so there are people who are, I think in a lot of ways, trying to create cartoons that parents can watch with their kids. Or that the kids are going to like when they get older. True. Because it's a big, you know, you got to wonder, the two movies we're going to be talking about over the next week are two franchises that have been around for over 30 years. Yeah. Through multiple reincarnations and reimaginings. So there's got to be something. True. You know, I think about things like Blue's Clues, and I I was too old for Blue's Clues, but I was nannying and teaching little kids when it was really popular. And I know last year... I can't remember. Steve, the original Blue's Clues host, put something out online that was really sweet. And, like, everybody... I remember that. ...kind of freaked out about it. Like, they, they loved it. And Blue's Clues kind of had a little bounce back. Mm-hmm. And I know... Well, I mean, look at Bluey. Yeah. Um, none of our kids are in the age range. No, none Bluey. of them. Like, my youngest is 11. Yeah, and it's it's got as big a fandom of adults. Oh yeah. Than it does of kids. Like adults love it just as much as kids do. Yeah, like it is, and it's it's very wholesome and yeah. almost I don't know. It's like um self care. But it doesn't, almost. and I think this is the thing. And again, we can talk a little bit about this. This is going to come into play, I think, when we talk about the Transformers movie next week. Um, is that I think the ones that survive and the ones that stick in the memory are the ones that don't talk down. 
Okay. To the kids. Okay. And I I think that's something that again modern day cartoon writers who were who are in our age bracket, maybe even younger at this point. Right. You know, I think that's something they understand is that the ones that have not lasted and the ones that didn't really cling on to the imagination were the ones that talked down to people. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, and you could say a lot, but I don't feel like the you were asking, like, what's the appeal of the Ninja Turtles? They, I never felt like as a kid they were talking down to me. I thought they were talking to me. Okay. You know, and yes, that they were at the time 30 and 40 year old people writing for what they thought 80s kids you know that's why Michelangelo <laughs> had that surfer dude persona yeah. for so long mm. but now did they end the show with a moral no the Ninja Turtles never ended the show with a moral okay um, here's a question I have for you okay April okay um you say April and Donatello were always the ones who were supposed to end up together. I, I say that the fandom, and this was aided by the 2016, I think, Nickelodeon cartoon, um, but there was always kind of a connection of April and Donatello. Because in the original comic, she was a scientist. She wasn't a reporter. Oh. And since he was the smart guy. The smart one, they had they had that connection. Okay. Um, now in the in the 80s cartoon that never none of that ever played no, out. I always just got the impression that she kind of was their like their friends yeah. or all of their girlfriends. She wasn't even see the, the image <laughs> I got is that she was like their their older sister. Okay. Like she never there was never any romantic yeah. Things in there. There was never any, you know. She was old. She was older than they were, you know. So probably in her twenties. It was hard to gauge, gauge yeah. ages. Um, but you know, and but then they did the 2016 cartoon on Nickelodeon where Donatello had a crush on April, and that was like his oh. story arc throughout the entire series. Is kind of doing the Urkel thing of loving a girl who wasn't going to love him back. I see. You know, and people kind of went backwards into the, the movies and things and going, you know, there was kind of a connection between April and Donatello, you know. And in, you're in not a, just saying that because Donatello's your favorite. And I'm not just saying that because Donatello was my favorite, he, but he, he was my favorite. He is my favorite. Do, yeah. Donnie for life, babe. Uh, okay, so we will get more into that energy yeah. here in just a moment. Okay, before we go, there's one other one we should talk about because it's one of yeah. the only ones kind of, it wasn't an action cartoon per se, but what what do you think, were you familiar with Gem and the Holograms? No rock music? Mm. Are you kidding me? Uh, but was that up your alley? Um, I, I will say I watched a couple episodes of it because it came on after uh, some stuff that I watched and it was not bad. And I know, I know it had a movie a few years ago that bombed and everybody hated it because it was shit. Yeah. But I, I believe it's been, they've been doing some, some new comics of it, I think. Oh, that's interesting. And like expanding on it, including LGBTQ. Nice. 
things into they made. I think they made two of the characters that they always kind of hinted at were gay, actually gay. Okay. So, so I don't know if that's true. If they have done it, then that's great. But that that's another one that's kind of survived. It has. I I feel like the movie they kind of went the whole Riverdale yeah. with it, of trying to make it dark and and like I mean, sorry, Gem and the Holograms is just not. Dark. Well, and I, I love because I, I saw part of it, and it's like the whole thing is like trying to find some message from her dad, oh. and he and she does, and he's like, and remember, you're my greatest invention. It's like you know, she has a sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like that's kind of a bitch thing to do. Our parents are not supposed to have favorites, and you're just like you're my greatest invention, and the other one. It's like, yeah. it's like God, jackass. Jeez. <laughs> Anyways, Anywho. all right. So we will take a short break, and we will be back in a minute to talk. Turtles. Look, I did it right. For you did. Yay. <laughs> TikTok ever since this movie came out uh-huh. there's been like a resurgence of love for the uh, the early 2000s cartoon which I did not I remember that one at all it was much sharper like I just I, I say that because like the turtle the animation was very pointy pointy yeah it wasn't bad it wasn't a terrible cartoon there's been this and someone on TikTok was like you know which is the best Ninja Turtles theme? It's like, oh, the 2001. That's just like, sorry, kids. 84 OG theme all day. Not even the Vanilla Ice one? Not even the, which wasn't a theme. It was just a thing in their movie. But OG Ninja Turtles theme song for life. Okay, honey, calm down. No. Uh, so, <laughs> tell me... Okay, this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Mm-hmm. So this is not based on the OG comics. No. This is is that this is based on a different series. Uh, this is uh, this is a brand new brand new take. This isn't based on. So not on any on any graphic novel or anything. Not not on any like a lot of the the mutants from the Mutant Mayhem were characters that popped up in the various uh, comics. Okay. Um. Only a few of them, like Leatherhead, Bebop and Rocksteady, of course, Mondo Gecko, like they were all in the original cartoon. Um, now, were they fully bad guys in the original cartoon? Um, Rocksteady and Bebop, yeah. Rocksteady and Bebop were always like Shredder's henchmen. They set the standard for idiot comic relief henchmen of the 80s. Okay. You know, so Bebop and, yeah, there's a lot of affection for Bebop and Rocksteady. So this is a Seth Rogen joint. Yeah. Which you're not a big Seth Rogen. I I am not. I find I can stand him in certain things. Yeah. But generally, and maybe then again, that's probably because there for a few years, everyone was telling me I looked like him. Well, I think that's a compliment. I do not. I think he's <laughs> a cutie. You know, I I I do not think that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but I, you know. Uh, there are some things he's done that I, I have enjoyed. Okay. Um, so, let's uh, let's kick it off. So, we have 
this really is an origin story. Yeah, so say. we're, again, so we're rebooting again. Yeah. You know, how many times this series has been redone, rebooted? Those poor um, turtles just keep I, swimming in the ooze. I know, so we, we, the basics of the story are still the same. Turtles, ooze, mutation, splinter. Um, the splinter in this one is not in any way related to Hamato Yoshi. He's at least not that we're aware of. Not Hamato Yoshi having been mutated. He wasn't the pet of Hamato Yoshi. He's not Hamato, Hamato Yoshi reincarnated like in the comics. Okay. Or in the, the uh, so he's just a rat who found the turtles and, and raised them. Yes. And um, uh, taught them martial arts from watching karate movies. Right. <laughs> um, and which uh, lets one of the cutest scenes. It's it's a very cute scene. We're gonna have to talk about adaption and. And interpretation yeah. here in a second. Um, but at any rate, but the turtles are now 15 years old and kind of having those pangs of, you know, wanting to break out and rebel and live their own lives. And they want to know what real life is like and what high school is like. Especially, I think an interesting kind of thing to look at is from a, a modern day teenager right. point of view. Um, the turtles would be much more connected with what's going on outside. Right, and they really play into that. Like, yeah. They, they have access to social media. Yeah, and so they, they do TikToks and they do all of that. And, you know, but it just kind of, it serves to show them a world they can't be a part of. Right. And uh, they meet up with April O'Neil, um, who tells them about this criminal who's been doing all these super heists and the turtles get the idea that if we stop this guy this criminal then the world is going to accept us and not look at us as monsters and we can go and live normal lives right so they go to do that and they find out that the criminal is a gang of mutants right led by superfly played by ice cube ice cube um yeah. and an all-star cast of mutants Oh my gosh, seriously. Um, but Ice, but Superfly is the Magneto of, you know, we got to destroy all the humans. So he has a super science plan to destroy. Destroy the humans so that they can live freely. So yeah. So humans can live freely. And the turtles, of course, are like, hey, that's not cool. And, yeah. you know, so there's the conflict. So they, they make the smart, I think, the smart decision. They're not retelling the same movie which has been done many times and superiorly in the 90s. So there's no shredder, there's no foot plan. No. They, 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 they kind of jump right to a lot of the more fantastic and weird and, you know, side characters that haven't really ever had their moment in the sun. Right. But, like, <laughs> if you look at it, like logically, if you look at it like objectively, you know, mutant lizard isn't any weirder than mutant turtle. No. You know, so like they're not I it's they're they feel more authentic in this, I feel like. You know, I uh, we mentioned this a little in the in the preview or the I don't know what we call the first thing we do, the chit chat session. The chit chat session. Um, but I think one of the biggest successes of this film is this is the, in in the 20, 30 odd years I've been a fan of this franchise and all of its ups and downs, 
that the turtles felt authentically like teenagers. Right. They felt like kids. You know? Just... I think that they their personalities in this were a lot more well-defined mm. than in some of the... Yeah. In some of the iterations I've seen, anyways. No, I... Yeah, no, I can agree. Like, you clear... Like, Ralph... With his uh, anger issues, mm -hmm. um, you got Leo, who's trying to be a leader, but is kind of a hall monitor kind of guy. Yeah, well, he, he's having trouble dealing with the bigger personalities of his brothers. Right, and Donatello is like they. I, I enjoyed that they've kind of. He's still the smart guy, but they really did kind of make him more into like a tech geek. Yeah, update him. And Michelangelo, instead of being surfer dude guy, he's like funny guy. Yeah. You, you know? Which has always been his his role in the... Right. But he wasn't like stupid. But you, know, you know how, maybe you don't, but uh, I'm sure Turtle fans will remember the Michael Bay abominations and the absolute hack job he did on those characters. You know how in those movies, these characters were at their most, were their personality traits, but they were their most obnoxious versions of those personality traits, but this goes the opposite way and makes some of the most endearing versions of those personality traits. They, I, they really are endearing. Yes. They're sweet little guys that maybe don't make good decisions, but that's part of being 15. And that, and that again, that is the thing, is this field, everything they do, the logic they follow, it this feels like the kind of thing a 15-year-old would think up. Yeah. That, you know, if I do this, then good things are going to happen. Right. You know, and they and they learn the lesson that you've got to do things for the right reason and not for personal gain. Yeah. Kind of thing. But that's a thing that a teenager would do. Let's talk April. Yeah. Okay, so what did you think of this, this iteration of April? I thought it was great. Okay. I thought it was great. And again, April has had a lot of transformations and a lot. I would love, maybe I should do it, um, uh, but I would love for somebody to write a book or something um, about the various incarnations of April O'Neil because she has shifted and changed so much right. in all of the different. Um, would you say she is more the indicator of the times? Yeah, definitely. Like, because this this April O'Neil feels very Gen Z, mm -hmm. high school, kind of misfit, but wants, like, she's got big plans for herself, very social justice driven, not not what you think of it as, as a female in a superhero comic either. Like, no. Very beautiful, but uh, dark skinned and curvy, mm -hmm. and like, and none of that takes away from the fact that Leonardo is head over heels yeah. for her. Like immediately upon seeing her, I think she's the most beautiful woman on the planet. And I don't know, like that's something we don't see very often. Is no. 
roll is handled is kind of an indicator of where we are socially. Socially, I mean, in the original, she was she was the damsel in distress. She was the lowest lane. You know, she was a plot point. Okay. You know, more than anything else, she was their window to the real world. But she was there to get in trouble so they could come rescue her. Right. Um, I can't go. I'm not going to go through all of the incarnations, but then you know, like the. The one in the in, in the original '90s movie, she was again our the audience point of view character, less of a damsel in distress, but still kind of the real person. Um, when they did the Nickelodeon, the first Nickelodeon cartoon, she was uh, much more self confident. They they trained her as a ninja. Okay. You know, um, the Megan Fox version was. It was Megan Fox in a Michael Bay movie, so she was a sex object, you know. So yeah, she is definitely the the kind of indicator of where we're kind of at socially, whether she's meant to be or not. Okay. And I I personally loved this April. I thought she was funny. I thought she was different. I thought, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you did mention that Splinter is. A different take on Splinter than we've seen. Before. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the area you have the issue. I don't know if it's necessarily an issue because I liked I liked Splinter and Jackie Chan is the the voice of Splinter in this. Um, this is one of those things that you always feel bad talking about logic in a Ninja Turtle movie. Right. Um. But it was something I didn't like in the Michael Bay version either. Because in that one, he talked Splinter was a rat. Again, he was a lab rat, I think. And he taught them karate and ninjutsu from a book. Okay. And in this one, yes, the montage is phenomenal. And the cute, tiny little turtles. The baby turtles. Everybody loves the baby turtles. And yeah, they were. that was adorable. And the montage of them learning from watching Bruce Lee. All that was cool, but I don't know. I this is a thing with with a property like this, which has been retold and remolded so many times. Um, I think we become very married to our particular preference. Okay. In in the in the mythology, even for something like this, where the mythology has been changed so many times. But I've always thought it just made more sense when Splinter was some offshoot of Hamato Yoshi where he would have the ninja training already. Okay. You know, because that just makes more sense. Because I remember trying to learn karate from a book after watching The Karate Kid, and it did not go well. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can see more this idea that, uh, obviously, it, it, you take it with a grain of salt, but the idea that you're protecting your kids and the only way you know how to do it is with, like, the Bruce Lee movies. Mm -hmm. Like... I can see that, um, but once again, I say I take it with a grain of salt. We're talking, like you said, yeah. about a movie about mutant turtles. So. Well, but and here's the other thing I was thinking of, and this is like maybe this is stretching, but that's the that's kind of the, the world we live in now, where you have to kind of overanalyze everything. Um, if this ooze gave them, you know, the ability to walk and talk and evolve, why wouldn't it maybe heighten their ability their, their ability learn. senses? Yeah, yeah. or their their ability to kind of watch and, and adapt. So yeah. 
you know, you can justify it. Right. You know, it, it can make it work. I liked it better than learning it from a book. Yeah. I like the videos. And I, I enjoyed Splinter as the overprotective parent who just wants to. Yeah. He's seen some shit. He doesn't want his kids to to have to go through what he went through. And he goes too far, but, you know, he redeems himself. Yeah. Um, but when, I, but I when you're a parent, and, I, and you can probably talk to this more than I can, but as a parent, don't you, don't we suddenly feel ourselves go too far sometimes because we feel like Oh, yeah. I have to. to adapt. Like, I have to monitor, you know, my protective instincts, especially as my kid gets ready to go off to college. Mm -hmm. And I have to, like be like okay you know this is <laughs> this is what they're supposed to do yeah <laughs> you know um now the other question i have for you uh spoiler spoiler alert skip mm -hmm. ahead like you know again a if, you're, or two if you if, if you're you listening to us then this is the spoiler podcast so like yeah. we we spoil everything, so just be aware of that. Anyway, go ahead. So, in this iteration, the other mutants turn from heel to baby. And yeah. Very good with the wrestling terminology, baby. Thank you very much. And uh, they join the turtle side. How do you feel about that? Um, I thought it was fine. Like, again, Rocksteady and Bebop have always been the bad guys and maybe they'll switch allegiances again right. when they when they do when they do the sequel because they were already talking about a sequel to this they're talking about a, a tv show based on it yeah. so let's talk voice cast actually for okay so you talked you said jackie chan yep as splinter um our our turtles aren't very well known but they are I think at least two of them are, are people of color. Maybe yeah, Michael An Michelangelo and the, the young the young men, and I'm sorry we don't know their names. And now this is the bad part about doing this. Yeah, time. I mean I don't have access to my IMDb. Yeah, norm yeah normally we uh, you know if we're doing this at the house we can look stuff up as we're talking. But so apologies that we don't know. But uh, yeah, I know Donatello and Michelangelo's voice actors are uh, black, I believe. Um, and then. Um, no, but I, April is an actor of color as well. I, yes, I was thinking someone that has actually been in some things. So, uh, but then our mutants is really where we see yeah. a lot of the the cast here. It's like you said, Superfly is Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. Seth Rogen is, is Bebop. Yeah, John Cena is Rocksteady. This is the second toy toy cartoon or toy movie John Cena's done a cameo in this, this summer. One, this summer. Yeah. Um, let's see. Paul um, Paul Rudd was Mondo. Um, Mondo Gecko. Uh, then the other ones were people too. Yeah, Post Malone, one of your favorite oh, yeah. singers, was Post Malone, who I named my cat after. Yeah. Was uh, the Stingray guy. Yeah. What's his name? Ray Filet. Yeah, Ray Filet. Yeah. And I'm not I don't know who was the voice of uh Wingnut and Leatherhead. Oh my gosh. I I knew who they were and I've totally forgotten. Yeah. Um not Aquafina because you would have complained about I would have complained about Aquafina all the way. Uh, <laughs> but like really, really 
great jobs that they did here too. You know, sometimes watching these things, you just kind of get hung up on like, oh, that's who that person is who's doing this. But I think they really just did a great job with the voice acting in this. I don't even think that John Cena and Paul Rudd's voices were that recognizable. None of them were. None no. of them were very recognizable. I mean, Seth Rogen's well, voice. But Seth Rogen always sounds like Seth Rogen. Yeah. Um, no, no hate to him at all. I think he's doing phenomenal things. But yeah. Um, so yeah, just they did an excellent job casting the mutants. Yeah. Uh, I'll say they did an okay job, mainly because all of the... Uh, this isn't a dig or a negative, but all of the other mutants' parts, I think maybe with the exception of Mondo Gecko, were so kind of small. They were pretty small. That it's like, I don't know, they barely said anything. So you have this, you know, John Cena and all this, you know, Post Malone doing the voices, but it's like they barely talk. So it's like, why, why'd you get them when they don't say that much? I don't think they said more, but yeah. Um, and... You know, Ray Filet does this thing where he just wants to sing. That's why you got Post, Post Malone, Malone yeah. there. Um, plus, I honestly think Post Malone just does anything he thinks is, is cool. Yeah, I get that impression. Um, but, yeah, Mondo Gecko was a great character in this, mm -hmm. I thought. Oh, yeah. I wanted <laughs> The part where they're in this big street fight and they pick up his tail that has been cut off and you're like, oh no! And then Mondo's like in the background and he's like, it's okay, it grows back! Um, <laughs> like, uh, that, was, that was pretty good. But I, but I will agree, uh, kind of in the, the broad strokes, I do think the voice cast for this was really well done, especially... I'm giving a lot of love to Jackie Chan, April, yeah. and the Four Turtles. The Four Turtles especially just... They did great. They had great energy, and uh, I was reading something, and you always take whatever you read online with a little bit of grain of salt, that a lot of the lines were improv, that they just kind of mm -hmm. let the kids play thing. and just, you know, bounce off that. each other. And, like, it comes across. The, they, they really just seem like they're communicating with each other like yeah. teenagers. And not just like teenagers, and I think this is another thing that's very important to the Turtles. Um, like brothers? Yeah, that they're brothers, that yeah. they are a family, and they, they play off each other. Yeah. Really, the, the, the scene where they're uh, hyphenating their names to oh, sound... Yeah. You know, there's, they're saying that, Leonardo. Which he could have shut the whole thing down by just calling Donatello Donatello. Yeah. You know, he could have, no. you know. You know, that's something uh, that, it didn't bug me, this isn't a bad thing, but I just, um, with this new origin story, they didn't, like, explain how they got their Renaissance painter names. How did they? And, it, it, again, it depends on the... Okay, you can explain that to me later. It depends on the inner, but the... The, 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 the common one was that Splinter in whatever version he was, he either was a fan of the painters or he found the book of Renaissance art and named them after the names he found. Okay. So. So I will say this is, it kind of, it kind of goes both ways for me in this situation. The animation style. Ugh. Um, I liked the things that they were doing that were new. I love I loved some of the little details, especially with like curly hair and like the scribble lines that really made it seem like a graphic novel. 
but it also gave me a headache. Oh, same. It gave me a headache. Um, I think probably because it is geared to being a 3D movie. Yeah. Like there's a 3D option. And something about the way that, because I have astigmatism, I think um, 3D movies just give me headaches. Uh, so, but you have a problem, another I, problem with the animation. I just, th like, I like the, I like the animation on the turtles. Right. The turtles look really great. Um, again, it's like they did, they did everything that the Michael Bay films were trying to do, but did it right. Okay. You know, giving them little details more than just the belts, the belt, the, the headbands, you know, like, I think Donatello had a hip pack. Yeah. You know, and the cell phone tucked in it, and you know Leonardo had like I, I, they all had a little bit of detail added to them. Yeah. So that was great. I liked that, but the animation style in general is just ugly. I and, think it's supposed to be though. But it's so ugly that I don't want to look at it. Oh, well, that's I, the problem. I I do have some issue with a little bit like our, my kid and I were talking. Um, the proportions of the faces on humans were bad. Yeah. Like, it, and they were bad on purpose, but, like, it was... Uh, you did, they all looked ugly. Yeah. Except for April. Yeah. April's... April, April looked good. Um, but the mutants, I thought, looked pretty good. Yeah, they looked okay. And the turtles looked good, but, the turtles, yeah. The turtles looked really good. So, yeah. And then, but like, like say, part of the another problem with the animation is that when things started speeding up and you were having fast yeah. action scenes, it became a, a, a mess. Yeah, and it was just weird. I don't know if our eyes are just too old. Maybe that's or, it. Maybe it's one of those things like you can only hear certain sounds if you're a certain age. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> um, it's one of those things where I loved the movie, but the animation style kind of like. Uh, into the Spider-Verse. I think that watching it on a smaller screen is going to be more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but it's, but yeah, the, the animation, the character models, a lot of it is just ugly. I was not a fan of it. And I understand what they were going for. Like you said, trying to make it look like a, not just a comic, but like a kid's yeah. like sketchbook. Right. I, I get that. I can applaud and that. I do think that they needed, like, <clears throat> what they were trying to do was establish themselves as a different entity. Yeah. And it does do that, but it is, like, it, it takes some adjusting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a pretty film to look at. Um, but a cool one. Cool, yeah. Uh, so, overall, that's really the only problem I have with it. Honestly, Same here. the storyline, the characters, the casting, I think was really well done. Mm -hmm. so. And I, I think it goes to prove we had said this. Our I said this when we were watching uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Is that when the story is good and yeah. the characters are good, the the little things, the little details, don't matter as much. Right. Like I complained nonstop about the changes to the turtles backgrounds and storyline for those Michael Bay films because they were shit. <laughs> and so those things stuck out more. But when the characters are good yeah. and the story is enjoyable and you want to spend more time with them, yes, I have my preferences to the Turtles mythology, right? but the changes to it didn't bother me. Well, it also passes 
our other test of movies that is geared towards that age group, like that teenage age group, in that the 11-year-old and the 14-year-old yeah. enjoyed it, laughed about it, talked about it afterwards. Yes, they did. Referenced it, stayed engaged the whole time. Mm -hmm. So it hits the parent audience for nostalgia, I think, and it hits the, the new audience. Because yeah. uh, my kids aren't really exposed to the like you know what they are yeah it's in the ethos but like well, they're not really ninja turtle fans yeah and i think we gotta give you you already have i think i need to you know pony up here we huh. gotta give a lot of credit to seth rogan yeah and his crew who made this film and you can you can see it I think I, I'm happy to see. I think a lot of people of this of now, I guess our generation, yeah, um, are kind of taking their cues from Kevin Smith. And when they remake something like this, you can see there's a lot of love in it. Exactly. And I hate. Well, I don't hate to do this, but once again, you look at the difference between the Michael Bay right. Ninja Turtle movies. Where it was clear he had no love of those characters. He yeah. had no love of the property. It was uh, it was a paycheck job for him. Or, okay, I'll get off of that. You look at the DC movies versus the Marvel movies. Right. Where you can tell these the, the directors and the filmmakers for the Marvel films care. Absolutely. You know, whereas the DC ones don't. No. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's the big thing. Seth Rogen and his... The crew he got are fans of this property. They they're about our my age, so they they, they grew up in that. Yep. So it yeah. they they set out to make it with a lot of love, and that shows. All right, final grade. Final grade for me. Um, I'm going. I'm being a little generous here, but I'm going to go an A minus. Okay. On it. Um, part of me says a, a B plus, but. Overall, I, I left this with a big smile on my face. I had a great time. I, you know, loved, again, I loved the Turtles and April and their relationships. And it's, uh, I'm excited to see where they go with it. Okay. I am actually going to say A minus too. Oh, like, look at that. It would have been higher. I know I'm in much more generous grader than you are. A little bit. Um, it <laughs> would have been Go higher. listen to our Haunted Mansion review for that. <laughs> Uh, um, if I would have had some, um, if I would have been able to not get a headache yeah. <laughs> on the animation, it would have been higher. But I think that it did a really good job. It had a lot of diversity and inclusion. And I just, I say kudos. Like, yeah. way to go Ninja Turtles. Well, I like, and I like I'm on that. We were talking about the inclusion. Yeah. I think that's part of what gives this one a, an energy that yeah. a lot of the previous incarnations have lacked. Just um, it, there's there's a younger feel to it, a vibe, and it's I think that's a good thing. Right. But I will say, kind of in closing, uh, some people are saying this is the best Ninja Turtles movie ever. Sorry, folks, the original from 1990 with Henson puppets. That's the best one. So well, you're always going to say that about a Henson puppet. And, I, and I'm always right. Uh, I, this one was great. Though. It, it was great. This is, yeah, this, this one, this one is just as good. So I'm not, it's just not better. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
listening uh thank you my love uh, mm-hmm. as always for indulging and for being a part of this and making this such a fun part of our lives i love doing this with you no paw no paw paulus mm-hmm. um and thank everybody for listening thanks for coming along and as always drive safe and we will see you at the movies